Hi, Kirby. Hi, Sarah. Welcome, Welcome to, to Los Angeles. Angeles. Welcome, Glamgelinos. We hope you stay a while. <laughs> hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello, hello. It is just Kirby today because Sarah had her baby. <laughs> I kind of sounded like Kylie Jenner when I said that. Stormy baby. Well, little Christensen baby was born on Monday. Monday at 12 midnight so he was born along with rihanna cindy crawford kurt cobain the list goes on and on i'm not going to share his name i'll let sarah do that and if you're not following her at sarah tan no h in sarah go follow her and see how adorable he is hopefully she will have posted it by this point i mean it's up to her but if i'm sending you there i hope she will have posted he is so cute and his name is adorable and i can't wait to just kiss his little face off so congratulations to sarah and matt on their little bundle of joy we are so thrilled for not only the proud parents but for zoe to be a big sister and ollie to have another sibling all that said that means that it's me myself and i today just kirby <laughs> If I annoy you, here's your warning to tune out. If not, welcome. Get cozy. Put in your AirPods. Put on your Beats by Dre. Turn this up in the car, however you plan on listening. I'm going to go through this like a normal news episode. We actually thought Sarah had some time. Uh, we thought she might be giving birth at the beginning of March. And she want, went on mat leave mid-Feb. So we're like, okay, we have a couple weeks to, you know, bang it out, whatever. And we did bank a ton of episodes. So you'll still be hearing Sarah uh, on Fridays for the next few weeks. But I'm going to have some special guest co-hosts the next coming Tuesday and the following couple of Tuesdays. And by couple, I mean probably a few months, just so Sarah can enjoy her mat leave. But we were not prepared for her to go into labor this soon. So that's why it's just me today. Anyways, let's get right into it. I just got back from an amazing trip with Fresh Beauty. It was a press trip and we've talked about press trips before. I would love to do a video about press trips and a lot of, of influencers in particular call them brand trips or influencer trips. I really do think the accurate name is a press trip because even if, for instance, press, like an editor or reporter, is not on that trip, it's still giving press to the brand. So I really think the proper term should be press trip moving forward. But I was on this trip with several other editors. Um, I was actually asked to go on this trip not to write about it, but to uh, just go as myself, which was pretty amazing. <laughs> Thank you, Fresh, for that. As you all know, I am a diehard soy face cleanser stan. I buy this product in bulk. I have travel sizes with me at all times. 
And they took us to Mauritius because one of their new launches, the tea elixir serum, was the the key ingredient is tea. Tea is a, a ingredient found in a lot of their products, but the particular tea that they use in this serum is sourced in Mauritius. And I had never heard of Mauritius. Maybe uh, that makes me uncultured, but I'd never heard of Mauritius before. It's in the Indian Ocean. It's this beautiful island. We learned that if you drove the circumference of this island, you could do it in four hours. And as someone who is coming from Texas, that it takes like eight hours to get from central Texas up to the top of the panhandle. I was I was shook by this. But it's a really special place. It has a really special place in my heart. And obviously, we had a great time. Um, we enjoyed ourselves. We stayed at the Four Seasons Mauritius. It was stunning, babes. It, I felt like I was at the White Lotus, quite frankly, uh, because White Lotus is filmed um, at the Four Seasons and has for the past two seasons. So we got to enjoy the beauty of that resort and explore the island and see all what it had to offer. But there was a, a large educational component of this too, which was seeing where this tea grew and how it was sourced and how it was made. That was probably the coolest thing I've ever gotten to do on one of these press trips. We flew Emirates over there, which it was a very, very long flight. I had, I was, y'all, when they asked me to go on this trip, I was like, sure, sounds amazing. Like, Thank you for including me. And they're like, great, let's get your, your flight information set up. Like, send us all your information. Send us your passport. And I do. And then I'm like, uh, here's my Delta Sky Miles if you need it. And they're probably like, you are such an idiot. You're not flying Delta. And I have never flown Emirates before. I think a lot of people got acquainted with Emirates because of that tart trip. I mean, people were DMing me like, oh my God, this is your own personal tart trip. And I was kind of like, I feel like it's its own thing. But nevertheless, it was a very exciting experience because we were in business class. So we had those fully, you know, retractable seats that laid all the way down so you could sleep. There was a lounge that you could get up. They encourage you to get up and walk around and stretch and, you know, drink a ton of water because the flight from LA to my layover in Dubai was 15 hours. We had a dinner and a breakfast service. They give you these little pouches with vulgary beauty products in them in a hairbrush and toothbrush and all of that stuff. So I was like doing my whole routine on the plane. I brought a bunch of my own stuff as well. Fresh sent me some travel sized items to keep me hydrated too. Once we landed in Dubai, that airport is insane. Uh, we landed around, I think, 7, 8 p.m. And I, on my flight was Jackie Ina and Dennis, her fiance. We were shook because it was completely dead. It was 7 p.m., but like the lounge was dead. The airport in general, the terminal we were in was dead. And we were so confused. And I guess, as it turns out, that the busy time for that airport is between, I think, like 10 p.m. and 3 or 4 a.m. because of all these people having layovers. So we kind of just like got to wander around and explore the different terminals. They have a spa there at the Emirates Business Class Lounge. So I got a 30-minute massage and facial while I was there, which was pretty epic, especially after being on a flight for that long. So we had a pretty long layover. It was about five to six hours. And then from there, we hopped on another flight from Dubai to Mauritius. And that flight was shorter. It was about five hours, I believe. Um, we had breakfast service. And I mean, the food on this Emirates flight was so good. I mean, they have a chef that curates these amazing menus. 
I was drinking Moroccan mint tea like it was my job. It was just so flavorful and amazing. The flight attendants, I know there's been stories done about their makeup, but they just are so, their presentation, they're so put together. They look so glamorous. They just keep the dream alive. I was just fascinated by that entire experience. It was really lovely. And Fresh made it a really, really carefree experience. Honestly, traveling internationally kind of freaks me out a little bit, especially when I'm by myself. But they made sure that I was never wondering, you know, where I was going or what I was doing. They took care of everything so beautifully. So I really want to give a shout out to the Fresh team if they're listening. But anyways, spent a week in Mauritius, went to this incredible tea farm, y'all, the Bois Cherie, the Bois Cherie Tea Farm. We got to see these incredible tea fields, drink the most magnificent tea. Oh my God, I, I dream of this tea. I, I want to go back. I felt like it was truly a once in a lifetime experience, but I really hope it's not because I, I want to go back to this place so bad. We learned learned how you pick tea, how you know if a, a tea leaf is good for picking or not. If it's kind of harder and has like a waxier appearance or it's even like a darker green, it's not going to be great for tea. It has to be kind of soft and malleable and almost like a little fuzzy, like it has little down hairs on it. And they'll extract the oils from these leaves, you know, to create different serums and things of that nature. Oh, the, the other big part of this trip was that Alina and Lev, the founders of Fresh, were on it with us. So I got to spend a lot of time with them and learn from them, which was great because I've been loving their products for probably half of my life at this point. So it was awesome to finally meet the two masterminds behind it. After we saw, you know, where they picked the leaves and how they picked them, then they took us to the factory and we got to see the entire tea making process from how they take 30 to 40 tons of these leaves, y'all. It was insane. And they kind of just spread them out and let them air dry overnight for about 24 hours. And then from there, they go through this whole process where they're ground up like mulch, and then they're put through a fermentation process, and then they're baked in these ovens at really high temperatures. And then from there, they go and they're chopped up again and grated again, and all of the excess is is removed from the, the from the leaves so that there's not you know random pieces of like leaf sticks and stuff like that in there. And then we saw the finished product, which was either a very uh, nicely ground tea like you would see in a tea bag or the loose leaf tea and this I just like I can't I will never forget the smell of being in there just it's it was such a potent tea smell and we left with tea we had a tea tasting of you know white black and green tea and got to understand the notes and like how they all differ and what makes a tea taste the way it does anyway so that that was an incredible experience. It's really nice to learn where your favorite brands are sourcing ingredients. I think we talk a lot about quote unquote clean on this podcast and what that means and what that actually should mean versus how people interpret it. And for me, I want to know that, you know, if you're going to be sourcing an ingredient, are you destroying the land? Are you able to provide jobs for people in the area? You know, like I don't want anything to be taken away. If you're sourcing something, I want it to be fulfilling to not only the planet, but to the community that it's coming from. So uh, I wanted to share that with you because some of you may be following me who listen to this podcast and saw it on um, Instagram stories. But if not, I guess also I should say that, you know, the whole point was going to learn about the tea that is put into this tea elixir serum. 
You would think that maybe my Woif this week would be that serum, but it's not because I truly have not had enough time to really test it out. I just got it, I believe, last Wednesday. Yeah, last Wednesday is when we went to the tea farm. So I had never tried it before. I got an amazing facial on Thursday with it, the entire fresh line. I'll keep y'all posted in a few weeks how I end up liking this serum and if I like it or not. All right, what's on my face? When I was in the Dubai airport, I knew that I needed to look for sunscreen. Um, because everybody tells me when you go overseas, find the sunscreen. (laughs) It's always going to be better than what we have here in America. And so I just kind of went ham and just anything that looked like we didn't have it here, I just kind of threw it in my bag and was like praying that it wasn't something I could just pick up down the street at CVS. So one of the products that I have, it's it's a different formulation than what they have available in the U.S. So you may hear this and then go looking for it and be like, oh, no, they do have it in America. It's a different formula. So it's the Eucerin Sun Protection SPF 50 Plus Oil Control for blemish prone skin. And it says Dry Touch Sun Gel Cream Ultra Light. So I picked this up because it said it was Dry Touch and also a sun gel. I love a gel formula. And this has not only UVB protection, which is the sun protection factor, SPF, but also UVA protection, which I was extremely thrilled about. The United States does not require UVA or the PA plus, 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 you know, range. Uh, They don't require that type of testing. But like, for instance, Naturium, they went ahead and did that for their sunscreen because they wanted to show that not only will it protect against UVB rays, but UVA rays, which are equally as important. And that's why so many people love uh, sunscreens that you can get overseas because they include that UVA protection. Eucerin was the first one I opened. I have two, no, I have three other ones that I picked up. And I, 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 it was the first one and I, it's like love it first of application. I freaking love this stuff. If you normally have oily skin and then you put on a sunscreen, chances are you're going to look like a disco ball unless it specifically says that it's matte. And sometimes with matte sunscreens, typically I find matte sunscreens are mineral sunscreens and typically they leave my skin feeling chalky and dry and I hate it. It, it, it like it gives me the skeevies like I'm just like get this off my face get this off my face right now um <laughs> I, I forgot I'm filming myself <laughs> I forgot that I'm actually filming this so I can't wait to watch that recording back <laughs> so the Eucerin oil control 50 very high protection I have nothing but amazing things to say about it when you press the pump the pump gives you I believe the exact amount that you need for proper application because as you know doing just little dabs on your face isn't going to work. You have to do at least like two fingers long of sunscreen for it to work properly. So I like that the pump gives you the perfect amount and it just absorbs nicely. It looks beautiful. I'm wearing it. I have not powdered my face. I feel like it looks great. I just, I, I talk a lot about not enjoying sunscreen and I have enjoyed I have truly enjoyed this sunscreen. It's like one of three sunscreens that I actually enjoy applying. I found it. I found it online. It is Eucerin Sun Oil Control Gel Cream Dry Touch SPF 50 Plus in the 50 milliliter bottle. It says that it helps with excess oil, excess shine, sun exposure, acne prone skin. It says that it has high sun protection against both UVA and UVB rays. It shields skin from visible light and oxidative stress, and it controls sebum. And the main ingredients are truly a ton of ingredients that I'm going to butcher the name of. Um, It says, wow, I'm I'm really going to fuck this up. 
Glyceretnic? Glyceretnic. Okay, okay, I think I have it. Glyceretnic acid supports the DNA repair mechanism of the skin. It helps to protect the skin from harmful UV-induced free radicals. TBD on that, I would need to look it up, but I'm just listing out the main ingredients that they have here on the website. L-carnitine and lipid-absorbing microparticles help reduce the amount of oil on the skin. Like, <laughs> I wish you guys could. A, it's an antioxidant. Y'all, I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm not going to go into it. Y'all are just going to make fun of me for butchering these ingredient names. But I think this is proof that just because you can't pronounce it doesn't mean it's not good for your skin. Am I right or am I right? I found it on care to beauty I feel like Dr. Julian Sass has a code for care to beauty so maybe go look at his page. But online it says that it's 2371. And I would assume that if you add it to cart, it's probably going to be $30 with shipping. Uh, Maybe add another product, get two of them. So it's worth your while. But that this is the place where I, I, yeah, and it comes through DHL, DHL Express Shipping. So this is my latest pick. This was a pickup at a pharmacy in Dubai, Dubai airport rather. And I've been very, very happy with it. We have some beauty news. All right. So Emily Weiss is the LeBron James of beauty. This is from Business of Fashion. This is kind of a big splashy story announcing that Glossier opened a Soho flash flagship store last week. And then this week will be extending its reach as it enters about 600 Sephora stores in both US and Canada. So if you go to a Sephora store this week, starting Thursday, you will see Glossier. That's going to be wild. I am dying to know if they're going to have like a whole gondola or they're going to be just a part. Like I go to the Grove Sephora a lot. I'm curious where they're going to have this set up in the Sephora at the Grove or if they'll even have it there. Surely they will. It's like a high foot traffic area. Rachel Strugatz. We love Rachel Strugatz on this podcast. She's an incredible reporter. And she talks about how, you know, there's been some growing pains with Glossier and she's documented a lot of them, but she compares Emily Weiss to LeBron James saying that her disruption in 2014 transformed the rules of beauty with an aesthetic and experience in a way that multi-billion dollar legacy brands and startups still can't replicate. And she says that Weiss is the most prolific beauty founder in decades. In light of Glossier's homecoming to New York and launch into Sephora, I posed two questions to a dozen people who work in beauty, as well as non-industry friends and acquaintances with varying degrees of knowledge of the landscape. What is the most important beauty brand and who is the most important beauty founder of the last 15 years? Besides Glossier or Weiss, none could name another brand or founder. In return, I asked, what makes Glossier so special? And then Strugatz goes on to say that, you know, since the beginning, Glossier has been clear in what it is and what it stands for, a curated offering of skincare and makeup essentials intended to enhance customers' natural attributes, not change or perfect them. And I think this is really interesting. I mean, one of our most listened to episodes is What Happened to Glossier. I think that this brand, people either love it or they hate it. There's no in-betweeners, in my opinion. I do personally feel left out of the Glossier conversation because I feel, you know, to Rachel's point in this story, 
that it's about enhancing natural attributes and not changing or perfecting them. And for me, like I want some things to be perfected. I want my melasma to be perfected. I don't want my melasma to show through, you know, like I don't want my pores to be accentuated or anything of that nature. I want I, I, I feel like I need a little bit more from Glossier, although I do think Balm.com is one of the greatest lip balms of the last 20 years, although they changed the formula. So I guarantee you I'm probably not going to like it as much anymore. But they they do make really great products. Stretch Concealer, I think, is incredible. I love their Body Hero products. Without a doubt, Glossier has done a lot of things right. I think that because of the pandemic, there were some choices that had to be made. <laughs> And I think opening up a bunch of brick and mortar stores was maybe not the way to go. However, they just opened up a new Soho flagship, so it doesn't seem like they're stopping that. I think the entry into Sephora, as we have mentioned before, is a really smart move because D to C is great. But if you don't live in a city that has a store or you maybe don't want to invest in Glossier products and have to pay for shipping if you're not totally familiar with the brand, that is a barrier for entry of, of attaining a customer. And in this case, people could just walk into Sephora now and be suggested Glossier by a cast member or, you know, you discover it yourself and experience it yourself in your own way. So I think this is interesting and I wish Sarah was on this episode to discuss this with me because she loves basketball. She loves the Lakers. She loves LeBron. And this is the closing of this story by Rachel. For those who claim Glossier is selling out with its move into Sephora, here's a sports metaphor. Glossier entering Sephora is analogous to LeBron James joining the, Miami, joining the Miami Heat in 2010. James, at 18, was the number one draft pick in the 2003 NBA draft by the Cleveland Cavaliers, the team with the worst record in the Central Division the previous season. For seven years, LeBron tried to make it work in an environment that wasn't naturally set up for him to succeed. Despite his talents, he didn't believe he could win a title if he stayed in Cleveland. Once James decamped to Miami in 2010, he went on to win his first championships in 2012 and 2013. Ultimately, James took the traditional path to success and left his hometown team for the Miami Heat, which manufactured one of the greatest basketball teams of the 2010s. Weiss, who built her brand the unconventional way with no help from a leading beauty retailer, is now choosing the traditional the tradition is now choosing the traditional path to success. Sephora. Interessante. Glams, please call the hotline. Send us a text on the hotline. Send us an email. Send us a DM. We would love to hear from you. What do you think about Glossier? Is Glossier still a sexy brand to you? Have you ever used Glossier? If you do use Glossier, what do you love about it? What are you excited for when it comes to Glossier? We want to hear it all. All right, finally, we have some TikTok drama. We're going to call this one hashtag blushgate. So this revolves around a discussion regarding attribution of a blush trend on TikTok. And if you're rolling your eyes, I get it. But let's get into the details first. <laughs> this account, Chief Nosy Bystander, they broke down the drama. I just saw this account for the first time. Love their content. There's a makeup artist named Ivana Sunshine. They accused another makeup artist, Makeup by Meg, of stealing a trend that Ivana claims she started. Again, there are three videos from Chief Nosy Bystander, and there's a lot of back and forth about who posted the trend first, who did it first, when this person's first video came out, and that they started the trend. Turns out Refinery29 wrote a story about this, and it's called Circle Blush Made Me Look More Awake, But There's a Problem. So what is this circle blush trend? Essentially, you're contouring your face with blush. So you're taking it from your cheek up 
your temple, maybe a little bit above your eyebrow, and then also blending it onto your eyelid. So this is what Refinery says. TikToker and makeup artist Makeup by Meg, Makeup and Meg rather, is just one of the number of influencers who are into it. When I'm in a rush, says Meg, I'll take blush and I will swirl it in outward motions like this all over my eyes, cheeks, and temples at the same time. It basically just allows you to get your color into your eye sockets, temples, cheeks, and gives you an all gives you overall color and wakes you up. The final look on Meg is so pretty, it's no wonder the video has earned an impressive 4.8 million views and counting. So Meg doesn't claim to have created this trend. She attributes it to a technique called draping, which is correct. In the story it says, which they say was widely favored by makeup artists in the 70s and 80s when bold makeup was a huge trend. And in this story, Ivana Sunshine is also credited. However, the drama is that Ivana claims she created this trend. From there, there's a whole she said, she said thing. And I don't want to get into the specifics of that because it's kind of a moot point. Because the fact is, this trend has been around for decades. And it was created by esteemed makeup artist Way Bandy. Way Bandy was one of the highest paid makeup artists, was the highest paid makeup artist of his time. And instead of using bronzer or contour shade, sometimes you can mix them together, but mostly it's using blush and it's it can look really cool, very austere. Sometimes you can do it lighter and it's a little bit more subtle, but it's meant to create a very visually bold look. We saw this look on Rihanna. We've seen this look on Tessa Thompson at the Met Gala last year. But before they did it, before anybody on TikTok did it, Bandy executed it on his clients, which were incredibly famous people like Cher, Farrah Fawcett, Elizabeth Taylor, Diana Ross, okay? <laughs> Mark Jacobs even cited Bandy as his inspiration for his Air Blush Soft Glow Duo launch in 2016. And this is noted by Allure in their story, it's official, the 80s contouring technique is back and better than ever. And they also noted that Pat McGrath did a similar look for Gucci and for Louis Vuitton Cruise 2020. I bring this up because I think it's really important for the community to realize that no trend is unique anymore. And everything that goes around comes back around. We saw it with the thin eyebrows. We've seen it in so many different ways. Everything comes, I mean, fair faucet hair, everything comes back around, okay? There's truly no original beauty trend. And some of the most gifted and prolific makeup artists out there, like Pat McGrath, Mario Dedevanovic, Donnie Davey, they never stake claim over the looks they create because they probably drew inspiration from the past as well or learned it from a mentor who learned it from somebody else. For instance, I want to give you an example. Donnie Davey. We know her as the makeup department head and creator of Euphoria Makeup, right? What is Euphoria Makeup? You think rhinestones, you think glitter, you think of these bright colors. You think Gen Z, right? I have this incredible book set about Euphoria, okay? And in the first book, it has interviews with Heidi Bevins, the wardrobe stylist on the show, Donnie Davey, makeup department head. And I wanna read this passage because she says, Euphoria makeup already existed in a sense, and not just through Gen Z, which a lot of people are like, it's Gen Z makeup, which it is. But rhinestones, glitter, and bold color has been used for decades. And the concept of using makeup to decorate and express instead of purely to correct has been a thing for centuries and across all continents. 
I looked at beauty through the decades to see if there was a particular era that spoke to me. The late 1960s called to me for its use of pastels and winged liner, and the 1970s stood out for its vibrant use of color and texture, especially glitter in the glam rock era. Then there was the 1980s, which expanded on the color of the 1970s, but with fierce, elongated cat eye shapes. And of course, the 1990s, the era I grew up in, with its grungy eyeliner, occasional rhinestone, and signature light blue eyeshadow. Overall, the image that resonated with me the most from this research is a photograph of Nina Simone wearing rhinestones in her eyebrows, which I would later reconceptualize for one of Maddie's looks. We need to start doing our research. <laughs> and we need to stop taking credit for things because at the end of the day, if people like Pat McGrath and Mario and Donnie know that they were probably influenced by something or somebody else, people on TikTok are likely inspired by things that they may not realize as well. I think we see this a lot on TikTok where these young artists are staking claim over a new trend that they claim they created. And sure, maybe they they created the first video that blew up or maybe they were the first person to do a video about it. But they weren't the one to create the draping trend. The draping trend has been around since the 1970s. So it's really important to give credit where credit is due and to make sure that we are educating ourselves about the art that we are presenting on the platform. And if you want more information on the history of makeup, I think a really good place to start would be to pick up one of Way Bandy's books, like Designing Your Face or Making Faces by Kevin Aquan or even Face Paint, The Story of Makeup by Lisa Eldridge from 2015 is a really interesting read and will help give you the history that you need to know so that you can give credit where credit is due. That's our show. Thank you for listening. Follow us on all platforms for announcements and opportunities at Los Angeles Pod and join our Facebook group to share your own reviews. Los Angeles was created by Kirby Johnson and Sarah Tan. It is a part of the ACAST network. Our episodes are mixed and edited by Roxy Flo and Stacey Abarca. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>